Chapter Ten of Rebel Spurs by Andre Norton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. This waiting, and sat cross-legged on the bunk next to Drew's, his thumb spinning the rowel of one spur. I never did take kindly to waiting. Is he or ain't he going to sign me on? Drew, lying flat, stared up at the muslin-covered ceiling which years of dust had turned to yellow-brown. You ought to be used to it by now, waiting, I mean. We had us plenty of it in the army. Only that was sort of different, not kind of personal like this here. We was sitting round on our heels then, waiting for some general to make up his mind as to where he was going to throw some lead fast. This is waiting to know if we're going to be throwed out. I heard California, Drew began again. You've sure taken a shine to California lately, Ants commented. Under his fingers, the rowel whirred. At least you talk about it enough. He sounded irritated. Looky here, Drew. If that's the way you really feel, why don't you go? I'm saying you don't feel that way, not by a long sight. What if Drew answered with the exact truth, that he did not know how he felt? Nye came in, trailed by three other... Rennie Riders. Johnny's got himself a horse-sized headache, and maybe so a pair of burnt ears. The old man must have lit into him hot and heavy. Chewed him out good, I'd say. They weren't even talking by the time they pulled up here. Seems like the kid got an idea to scout north. Struck traces near the Long Canyon. Rode the sign on his own and was bushwhacked. Guess whoever did it thought Johnny was wolf meat just took his horse and left him there. You gotta give the kid credit for having it in him. He kept on going after he came to some. Walked to that patrol, picked him up. I'd say he sure had him a run of pure solid luck. There wasn't much pawn and bellering left in him when Mueller's boys brought him to town. Been getting a little of it back, though, seems like. But maybe this here will learn him a little horse sense. It was Kitchell's men who shot him. Leon wanted to know. Could be. Weren't no Apaches, that's for certain. No Injun would have just shot him down and not made sure he was crowbait. Sure a full thing to do, riding there alone. Anyway, the old man will stick him in bed here, and I'll bet you Johnny ain't going to ride out anywhere without an eye on him, not for a good long while. Long Canyon, Pierce Donnelly, one of the other Anglo riders, paused and shucking his shirt to look inquiringly over his shoulder. That sure is off the trail the kid was supposed to be following. How come he ever drifted that far north from the wells round anyway? You ask him. Nye sat down on a bunk, flipped his hat away, and lay back. Sure feels good just to stretch out a mite, he observed. The old man, he was moving like he weren't on speaking terms with the law and there was a sheriff behind every rock. Usually, he's calm as a horse troth on a mild day. Johnny's getting his hair cut with a slug. Sure shook Rennie up some, almost as much as it shook Johnny. As for the kid riding north, well, I'd say that was some more of his trying to make a real big brag. Maybe he thought he could run down Kitchell all by himself, which is just about as straight thinking as kicking a loaded polecat on the tail end. But Johnny's always been like that. 
Do it now. Think about it later. Got him into more scraps, and I can count on. Both hands. Hope the old man gives it to him this time. Hot and heavy. Both barrels plumb center. See, it is true that Juanito looks for trouble. Chino Herrera rolled a corn-shuck cigarette with precise, delicate twists of his fingers. He is El Chivato, the young billy goat, that one, ready to take on El Toro himself and lock horns. Such a one learns from knocks, not from warning words, but he is yet a boy. Give him time. He'd better give himself some time, Nye announced. Next time, it may be the head, not long-sighted, that gets his lead. So you got back in one piece, you two fighting wildcats, Nye said, grinning at Drew and Ants. Nothing like trying to take on the army two to one, with the army having the advantage. That eye fading good, Drew. Only two colors now, ain't it? Drew grunted and Nye laughed. Bet the captain is as tetchy as a teased snake every time he thinks about you two. Wanted to have you all corralled nice and neat out to the camp where he could use his hooks and make at least three ride mounts out of you. I'd walk soft near him for a while, or you'll have about as much a chance as hens ambling into a coyote powwow. Don't look like they was so tough that they had to sneak up on the dipper to take a drink, do they now? Donnelly asked of the room at large. Don't never judge no horse by his coat and currying, Ants retorted. I don't, son, I never do, Nye replied. And as far as I'm concerned, you're both so wild they'd have to tie a foot up when they give you a haircut. Only that sort of rep don't go down good with the old man. We figured it might not, Drew agreed. Nye's warning was only another confirmation of Drew's fears. Topham, Nye, all the rest had made it only too plain. No trouble on the range and no troublemakers. He gathered up clean under riggings another shirt. If Rennie did order him up to the big house for firing, Drew was not going to meet him stinking of horse and sweat. In the stream, back of the water corral, there was a bathing place, and chilly as it was, Drew intended to take advantage of it. A mite cold, ain't it? Ants demanded from the bank, as Drew splashed vigorously to offset the chill but the Texan was shucking boots and clothing in turn. There were a lot of shadows this close to twilight. Lamps twinkled in the stronghold. A horse nickered from the corrals. Was answered from the barn. Then a bray. Croaker sounding off. From the hills came the far-off yip-yip-yip of a coyote. Hey, Ant stood up knee-high in the water. What's the matter, Drew called. Thought I saw something moving over there. Drew took a scrambling leap out of the water to their tangle of clothing, his hand reaching for one of the colts in the belt he had left carefully on top of the pile. All those stories of Apaches weaseling in, touching distance of the guard at the stronghold. Why, only last year, the younger Rivas boy had had his throat slit out in the hayfield within sight of his home. The Kentuckian crouched, alert, ants beside him now, both listening for any suspicious sound. At last they huddled into their clothes, hurried back to the bunkhouse. Bartolome was there waiting for them. Hugh Tejanos! There was no pretense of friendliness in his hail. 
The patron will see you pronto. They went, tugging their clothing into order as they paused outside the door. Drew rapped, took the sound from within as an invitation, and pushed aside the heavy oak planks. Outwardly the room was unchanged. No one had moved those old Spanish chests, the skin rugs, the table, since his last visit there. But he had the feeling that it was chill now, cold, as if a hearth-fire had been allowed to die into ashes. Perhaps that thought crossed his mind, because Hunt Rennie stood by the fireplace, moving the toe of his boot back and forth across a smear of gray powder. His back greeted them unwelcomingly, and the silence lengthened uncomfortably until Drew did, as he always had, and met the unpleasant head-on. You wanted us, sir? It was like being back in the army. Even his arm twitched as if some muscle was activated by memory to make one of those informal military salutes the scouts favored. Hunt Rennie did turn now, his eyes leveled on them. In the light of the candles, his cheeks looked even more hollow tonight, and he moved stiffly as a man might, who was not only bone-tired in body, fought Drew, but weary in mind as well. "'You are Anson Kirby?' he addressed the Texan first. "'Yes, sir. Ants, too, must be caught up in the same web of memory.' That was his old report to the commanding officer voice. "'I understand you two thought it necessary to take on some troopers in the jacks.' "'What was the proper reply to that?' Drew wondered. "'Probably it was best to follow the old army rule of keeping the mouth shut. Never volunteer, no explanations.' If Hunt Rennie had had the story from Toppin or Nye, he already knew how the fight began. I won't have troublemakers on the range. Now the voice, too, was tired. The youthfulness, which had impressed Drew on their initial meeting, had drained from this man tonight. He was taut, as if pulled harp-string tight inside. Drew knew that feeling also. But what battle had Rennie emerged from? Some struggle with Shannon or Bayliss? Then the words made sense, penetrating his concern for the man who had said them. Well, this dismissal only matched his gloomiest expectations. Can't any of you young fools get it through your thick heads that the war's over? Saloon brawling with the army ain't going to change that. It'll only get you in the worst difficulties round here. A spark of protest awoke inside Drew. Rennie was reading this all wrong. He and Anse certainly hadn't been trying to wipe away the bitter taste of Gainesville by jumping some blue coats in a cantina hundreds of miles and more than a year away from where they had been forced to admit at last that bulletless carbines and bare feet could not keep on shooting and marching. Must have been mistaken about you, Kirby. Now Rennie looked at Drew. The Kentuckian met those dark eyes squarely. His first unvoiced protest stiffening into defiance. But he faced the older man steadily. Ants, watching them both, drew a small, fast breath. Good thing for Drew, there were no other witnesses now. The likeness between the two Rennies was unmistakable at this moment. Hunt Rennie did not follow up his half-accusation. He appeared to be expecting some reply. What? A childish promise? To be a good boy? Not to do it again? Drew's half-unconscious concern for this man 
burned away speedily, ignited by what he deemed injustice. Anse broke the too long silence. I don't know what you heard about that there fight, sir, he drawled. Can't see as how we could have done no different, no how. But that's no call to saddle it all on Drew. Me, I had a hand, two fists in it, too. And if that's what's the matter, I can pull out. No, Drew's hand came up in the old gesture to stop the line of march. We'll both ride, Mr. Rennie. We don't aim to argue the matter any, only there's one thing. I brought Shadow and the filly down with the wagon train. The foal's too young to trail on now. They're blooded stock. I've papers for them. I'll sell. He loathed saying every word of that. It was not only the thought of giving up Shadow and the foal, though he knew that would cut with a deeper hurt every day. It was having to ask any kind of favor from this man. Not that such a sale was a favor. Rennie ought to be glad to get such blood for the range. You ain't going to do that, Anse was stung into angry protest. But Drew was unaware of the Texan's outburst, his entire attention for Hunt Rennie. The tall man came over to the table, moved one of the candelabra forward as if to throw more light on Drew. That's your choice of solutions, boy, to run? Drew flushed. The unfairness of that jab pushed him off balance. What did this man want of him anyway? Rennie had said it plain that he did not want Drew and Anse on the range. Running never settled anything. Rennie's fingers traced the spread of the candelabra's arms. Neither does jumping to conclusions. Has anyone said you were through here, unless by your own choice? Drew was jarred into an answer. You said? Rennie sighed. Do any of you young fire-eaters ever listen to more than one-tenth of what any of your elders say, I am saying and making it plain. If you make a steady practice of trading punchers with troopers or with anyone else because you take a dislike to his face or the way his ears stick out or how he walks or talks or what color coat he wore the war, then you can roll your beds and ride out. The sooner the better. Reese Topham tells me that he explained the local situation to you and you appeared to understand it then. Any difficulty with the army could have serious consequences, not just for you, but for the range as well. This time you are not the aggressors, but after being forewarned, if it happens again, I'll be hard to convince that you were in the right. The war's over. Keep on remembering that. This is a new country where it doesn't or shouldn't matter whether a man wore a blue coat or marched under the stars and bars. You're far too young to let the past cut off the future. Wars can finish a whole way of life for a man. His eyes no longer held Drew's. He was looking beyond toward the half-open door, or perhaps at something that he alone could see. You have to learn to throw away broken things, not cherish them. Never look back. That dry, tired voice took on a fierce intensity. Then he was back with them again. Two Kirbys riding for the same spread is going to be rather confusing. You are Drew, and you are Anson. Anson? He repeated the name. What part of Texas are you from? Pa had him a spread down near the San Saba for the Comanches came. 
He was Anson, too, in the Rangers for a while, Pa was. Tall man, with a lot of freckles and red hair, best rider in Mig's company. It was half question, half assertion. You knew Pa? Anse shouldered past Drew. That was Pa right enough. He rode with Lieutenant Miggs in the Mex War. Hunt Rennie was smiling. Once more, years spun away from him. I ought to know him, son. He toted me across his saddle for a mighty long five miles on a blistering hot day. I haven't as much to say about the matter as a sack of corn, and being three times as heavy in spite of a starvation diet. Yes, I'll remember Anson Kirby. He and his squad were the first Americans I ran into after I broke out of a filthy prison. Funny, though, he glanced at Drew. I don't remember his mentioning a brother. You are his nephew? Anse was quick to the rescue. Pa, he and Drew's pa, they weren't too close. Drew's pa was town folks. He sent Drew to Kentucky for schooling. Pa, he favored the range and the free land west. Rennie nodded. Well, Anson, if you're as good a rider as your father, we can use you here. Horse knowledge seems to run in your family. Now, shortly, we are expecting a Colonel, Luis Oliveri, who's to buy horses for the Juarez forces. He may need some assistance in driving them as far as the border. If he does, both of you will go. Yes, sir. Drew's agreement was drowned out by a harsh cry from overhead. Rennie went into action so swiftly that for a startled moment Drew was left gaping at an empty space. Don Cazar had caught up one of the rifles from under a window and had crossed the doorway to look back at the roof of the Casa Grande, calling out an inquiry in another language. Apaches don't attack at night. Drew was heading for the door in turn. Outlaws do when it pays, Ants shot out grimly. But on a second hail from the rooftop sentry post, Rennie swung the rifle over his arm and faced the outer gate of the patio. Unbar, Francisco, he called in Spanish. One leaf of the massive door folded back to allow in a small party of horsemen. One saddled but riderless mount galloped along with the rest. Another man held to the high horn with both hands and weaved back and forth while a Conrad, riding beside him, strove to keep him from toppling to the ground. Drew had an impression of bright, almost gaudy uniforms. The men of the stronghold poured out to take the horses, helping down more than one blood-stained soldier. Their leader, a slender man with dusty gold lace banding his high collar, came directly to Rennie. Don Cazar, his Spanish was a flood in which Drew was lost almost immediately, but Anse listened with parted lips and then translated a quick account. This here's the colonel. He and his men were bushwhacked, got away cause they met the wagon train, going south, and whoever was eating their dust, hunting them, didn't seem to like the odds. Not Apaches, probably banditos. Kitchell, Drew asked. My guess is they ain't sure. Got hit quick and had to stampede to save their skins. Oliveira's men were taken in, and Drew saw Rennie himself going from one of the wounded to another, applying bandages 
and once probing skillfully for a bullet. Drew commented on that, and Nye answered, Old man knows what he's doing. He ain't no real doc, of course. But was I toting me a hunk of lead in some serious part? I'd rather have him digging for it than a lot of docs I've seen out here. Heard tell as how he once was planning to be a real doc himself. He sure can take care of a fella good. What I'd like to know is how them bushwhackers knew just where to lay down and wait for Oliveri. What do you mean? This here colonel, he was coming to buy horses, so he was carrying money or something else as could pass for money. We all knowed he was coming, but we didn't know when or what road, and he wasn't telling that his side of the border neither. Only some Jasper had such a good idea as to that what and where he and some amigos was squatting back of rocks, just waiting for the colonel to ride into their little pocket of fire. Mexicans could have trailed them up, cut ahead and waited. Sure, only this operation was too slick for most banditos. They don't go in for time to plan things. They just cut loose when they see a chance. This was different. Only Fenner and some of the train guards riding in spoiled their game. Kitchell, then? Sounds more like. Don't think Kitchell's some common, ridge-riding bad man. He'd have never lasted this long, was that so? Not with the old man in the army, and what law there is in the territory all gunning for him. Plans things, Kitchell does, and so far his planning has always paid off. There's something else true now, too. Was Kitchell planning to make a break south? He'd want him a good big stake to cover him on cold nights and winter days. I just wonder if this here ain't the first of a lot of fancy raiding jobs. Could be he'll hit fast and hard, gather up all the sweepings, and light out. Could just be. Don't promise us much shading time, does it, Anse remarked. Sounds like everybody's going to have to set up a string and ride horses in rotation. That is, always supposing your supposing is right. Yeah, always supposing that, and I agreed. End of chapter 10